Which one do you want to start with? Well, let's start with Barney Miller because it's interesting. So I'm dressed like a slob, so I'm going to, you know, I fit in with the Barney Miller crowd, if nothing else, but I don't, have oh, a hey. gun, I don't have a gun strapped to me, so you can't steal it when you go to the washroom. Well, that's that's okay. I've, I'm coming in as a Puerto Rican junkie looking to cause a ruckus. Twice. Twice, yes. <laughs> yeah. With the exact same fucking scripts. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, almost the same script. They they added a lot more to the Puerto Rican character. But anyway, yeah, so we're doing right. Barney Miller. <laughs> it was created by Danny Arnold and Theodore J. Flicker. It played for eight seasons, 1975 to 1982. 170 episodes. It played on ABC. It starred Hal Linden, Barbara Barry as his wife. Well, at least the second time. Mm-hmm. Abe Vigoda, who was already a big actor. He was in the Godfather films as well. That's Je- where I recognized him from. I was <laughs> racking my brain to try and figure out why he looked familiar. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of these guys, like, he was a big deal in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he uh, he actually wound up leaving the show and starting his own show called Fish. Of course, it's the last name of the character, right? And that lasted two seasons. The only reason it didn't last a third season is he wanted too much money. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny. And Jack Sue, who plays Detective Yamana. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the plot is that it's, you know, an NYPD detective who runs his squad. And like 99% of the show takes place in the squad room. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Like there's a handful of scenes like in this one where we see uh, their apartment. And once a season, maybe you'd go and see them like at a stakeout. So they'd have like an empty apartment room, something like that. Okay. But it was very purposely set up to look like a stage play. Oh, interesting. That yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Including to the point that Miller's like Captain Miller, right? Barney Miller. Uh, he's the captain. Um, his office is attached. Like, so the camera literally follows through a break, like a, a wall. Mm-hmm. And then that room is open as well. And I think there's one episode somewhere where you actually see the washroom. Like they filmed the oh, washroom really? in the back of the squad room. Yeah. Okay. Here's the interesting thing. For years and years, anytime they surveyed NYPD cops about the most realistic cop show, this was always the one that came to the top of the list. They said it was much more realistic than NYPD Blue, which we're going to do someday, or any of the other mm-hmm. cop shows you see. You know, that so much of it is just, it's paperwork, and it's processing, and, you know, the the holding cell is inevitably six feet from the new guy's desk. And, yeah. And... It has that feeling of just sort of the, mon- the, the the everyday mundane life of a detective is a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you think of that? Uh, we'll start with the, the, the actual version, not the yeah. lost pilot. We'll talk about that later. So that, that was the one that I watched first, too. And I thought that it did. Which one, the lost pilot or the actual uh, pilot? The actual episode. OK. I, I thought that it did a really good job of, like, establishing these humanized characters. Um it it sets a scene to have like at least a little bit of a self-aware discussion in and of itself about you know police and prejudices and, yeah. and things like that even in the 70s which is really impressive um yes. obviously it's not like a you know deeply nuanced uh critical view of new york police but like no. it it does a good job 
Uh, I thought that all things considered for a, you know, 1970s sitcom, it did a, a good job with its writing. I think the acting was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, this is one of these shows like it, you know, it, it premiered, I, I'm guessing September 75. I was born in May 75. So, and I've seen the episode here and there and about four or five years ago, I decided to go through the entire series and I was so impressed. Mm-hmm. All the characters are interesting. There was not one character that I didn't want to know more about that. I wasn't interested at least to their time on the screen. I wasn't waiting for them to stop talking. Yeah. You know, when we talked about Futurama, I talked about all the characters I didn't like. Like, I, I really wish you would talk less, you know, and, oh, this is a Farnsworth episode. Okay, I'll enjoy this one. But here, I loved D- Detective Yamana, the gambler. He's hilarious. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Jack Sue is a great actor. He actually passed away in the middle of the fifth season of Cancer. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, the fifth season finale was the actor sitting on stage talking about him and showing his sort of clips of his best moments and then raising a cup to him. It was, it was quite touching. You know, Abe Vigoda's character was genuinely interesting. He wasn't just, you know, the old man saying, Oi, my back hurts. Like Mm -hmm. you learned about him and you learned about his wife. And uh, you know, the final episode where he retires is, was amazing. Um, Where, you know, he goes missing and, and, and everyone's worried about him. And it turns out he's been walking all night thinking about it and he's decided he's not going to retire because the squad simply can't do without him someone who's been a cop probably since he got out of high school sort of thing and here's this guy you know on the edge of retirement and he's essentially panicking and that's it felt so real to me you know the fact that barbara barry the actress who plays his wife you know she's playing someone who's listening to reports of crime which is literally the first scene of the show and and she's genuinely worried about her husband who's been a cop all these years and you know, crime is on the rise, and and in the real world, you know, and uh, uh, New York was a was a rough place in the seventies. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think there have been numerous times over the course of different media's that we've we've covered where we've talked about just how brutal New York and L.A. Yeah. were in the seventies and eighties, and yeah. just how hard those criminal numbers were. Yeah, well, it's funny because someone pointed out that the way, um, not to get political, but the way that Donald Trump talks about New York. His mindset is he remembers the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. out of curiosity, even though this isn't about the pilot. But they spend so much time in that first scene talking about all of the crime. I looked up the murders in New York. So here are the murders for New York City. 1965, there were 836. In 1975, there were 1,996. In 1995, 1,550. And in 2015, there were 613. That's hmm. quite the difference. No kidding. And the rape numbers and the the armed assaults and the armed robberies, they're all more or less the same. They start to go up in the 60s. Yeah. And then they start to go down in the 80s. It was interesting, as someone pointed out, that there is a correlation and possibly a causation, the rise and fall of leaded gasoline. Yeah. Yeah, what that is led due to your point. head, right? It, yeah. makes, it, it it actually does cause behavioral problems. And leaded gasoline, especially in a city as dense as New York, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody's but, breathing it all the yeah, time. Yeah, but, but there's no way to prove that without a time machine. No. But, you know, correlation, not necessarily causation. But yeah. in 1975, 1,996 murders, my God. You know, and that first scene of, of, 
uh, I wish I knew the character's name, but Mrs. Mrs. Miller, you know, listening to the radio uh, and it, it's almost Elizabeth. Yeah. Elizabeth. Okay. Here. Yeah. So uh, her listening to the radio and it's almost comical. This is 113 on your FM dial at 730. Rachel, David, breakfast. Barney, get the kids up for breakfast. Two banks on Wall Street were destroyed by explosions in the early hours of the morning. Ugh. A new garbage strike looms on the horizon. Wonderful. And street gangs here have claimed the lives of two additional victims. Three Japanese terrorists have hijacked an Italian airliner. And in retaliation, three Italian terrorists have blown up a Japanese restaurant. Yeah. And because in the mid-70s, airline terrorism, like terrorism as a whole, was a huge deal. It had been through the 60s. Left-wing terrorism, mostly, actually. Right-wing terrorism doesn't really show up until the 80s, like the you know Michigan militia and Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. Back then, it was like the Red Army faction and the Weathermen and, and, and groups like this. It's funny because someone watching that today, like for you, you must have listened to those to that radio report and thought, wow, that's really exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> but it's not I mean, like put it put it into the context of the 70s. Like I'm I'm aware enough to know that, yeah, there was there was a lot of terrorism that would happen. It was just a very it feels like we have a very different definition or conceptualization of terrorism today. We well, these days we think about like the big stuff like 9-11, yeah, 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, just the crime and the terrorism and everything else, like the stuff you're hearing, that's stuff that was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and the city couldn't fight it. There was a, there was a very famous headline. Uh, Ford, as in President Gerald Ford, tells New York City to drop dead <laughs> <laughs> because the city was going bankrupt and the federal government didn't want to bail them out. Yeah. Like that's like this, like there was a garbage, there were garbage strikes. The place was mm -hmm. filth. It, it's really something else. Um, as Professor Nichols pointed out, there's a reason why the movie The Warriors resonated with people. And I get that. But it is, in fact, a comedy, you know. And so we get that scene at home and we get to meet his daughter who is, what is she, 18? 17, 18? Uh, I think she's, she I think she's in college. Because yeah, uh, so, she comes home from an orchestra. Right. So we'll go with about 20, but she still lives at home. And, you know, there's the discussion about her getting her own apartment and stuff like that. And she's dating a guy who's a public defender and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we get to then we get to the station and we get to meet all the different. Uh, what do you call all the different detectives? And what I wrote is that you get a you know, you get a quick shot for each detective. The mm -hmm. old guy, the the Puerto Rican who's the Puerto Rican who's just trying to try really hard. The gambler, because, of course, gambling is illegal mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. It's not like these days where you can. You know, like in Alberta, you can, God, you can bet on sports with, you know, mm. Alberta government lottery. It's awful. Oh, yeah. I um, go to a website sponsored by the Alberta government and bet on whatever I want to. For yeah, yeah. Uh, this shit was illegal, like, you know, bookies and that sort of stuff. Mm. There's the slick young guy, the black guy. And then there's yeah. the goofy Claude. Wojo, they call him. Is it short for a, a Polish name? In the 70s, Polish uh. jokes were very popular. Though he's, he, it's interesting. He comes off as a Claude, but he actually later on winds up dating uh, Miller's daughter. And oh, really? He, he comes across as actually a mature kind of guy. They actually tried to do a spinoff with him. It didn't work. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's a lost pilot that I discovered and you discovered. Yeah. 
So the super short story is I was going back and forth with this Professor Tom Nichols on Twitter, and I was looking for the scene from the pilot where, you know, the one we were talking about where um, Elizabeth Miller is in the kitchen and listening to the radio and hearing about crime and all this sort of stuff. And I found it, it was in the middle of a one hour YouTube clip. And I thought, what the hell is this? And I discovered a whole new pilot. So I had to go look it up. And it turns out what it was is ABC made a bunch of pilot, had a bunch of pilots and they pushed them all out during the summer. And the ones that resonated, they took the series. So and that's, I, I I'm so, I'm not, I shouldn't say that I'm surprised that that pilot made it to series. Yeah. But it is definitely better for having been redone the second time for the proper It was. Like, first off, it was called The Life and Times of Barney Miller. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to tell you, I really liked the intro. I mean, I'm glad they didn't do it that way because the music from the intro is really good. Yeah. But for the original, it's like Super 8 home movies of them Mm -hmm. getting married, him in uniform as a patrolman. And like the old fifties uniforms they had with the, with the double breasted, uh, yeah. button down and then showing them in the apartment and it's empty because they're a young couple and they have the baby and, 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 you know, it's sort of showing him growing up. And this, of course, the idea here is he's five years away from retirement. They got right. rid of that. They got rid of the actress who played the wife. They got rid, they replaced the gambler with Jack Sue. The funny thing is with that one is that the actor who played the gambling detective in the original played the cook in mash did he and yeah and the actor who they replaced him with jack sue had been in mash several times really oh well i mean it was a you know mash was big like it's sort of like uh you know i was i was i'm going through of all things the underworld movies and i'm looking at the trailer for the last one it's like is there anyone from game of thrones who they didn't throw into this movie like (laughs) you know it just, it's the way it works, right? Sometimes yeah. it's just like, you know, these are the actors who are working. So these are the ones you use, you know, Wojciechowski, remember in the original, he's like this gun nut. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They actually kept that actor and that character, but he's just sort of in and out a few times. The black guy they replaced, the Puerto Rican guy is new. Mm-hmm. The only ones I think who stuck around is Ava Goda's character, Fish, yeah. Barney Miller. And I think that might be it. Uh, from the squad. Was it? Uh, yeah, I and think the ju- right. and the junkie and the junkie. Oh, and the junkie. Yeah, um, but yeah, not a part of the squad. D- d- probably not. No, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's interesting the way they move things around. Like in the in the actual pilot, you have the home scene, you have the hostage situation at the at the uh, the squad house where he he grabs a fish's gun and holds them and Barney talks him down, and then you go back home again, and they changed that in the original pilot, as I recall. It was all squad and then all home. Yeah. Uh, so they moved things around, but they completely refilmed all the scenes. And it was interesting because they got the, the guy playing the, the junkie. He got better the second time he got to do it. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. yeah. The, the second the second take is much better than the original. Yeah. And by the way, this was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, the the laughing did sound real. It didn't sound yeah. canned. Uh, so. It was and it wasn't. Sometimes they would go to like two in the morning, I guess. OK, um, so if they had a scene, and they wanted more punch to it. They would wait till the audience had left for the day. Then they uh. would refilm it and enhance with an actual like the creepy laugh track we talk about. Oh, OK. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really dig this. Uh, I went through it and I loved it about like I said, five, six years ago now. It's hard to remember, but I've watched them all and I thought it was fabulous. It was really a shame to lose Jack Sue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the actor left because he was undergoing chemo and he came back. He did a few more episodes and then the poor guy died. 
Oh, poor um, bastard. And they, uh, you know, they replaced his character, and the new guy was a weirdo who never really fit. And, uh, you know, they added other characters. Like, I'm not sure how familiar you are with MASH. I'm not sure if you remember. There was one episode with a guy who used to talk to his socks. <sighs> it's been a hot minute since yeah, I've seen uh, MASH. So he he plays a, a recurring role in the show, like just a a beat cop who's in and out of the squad room a lot. And okay. he's used a bunch of times. You know, the show does a really good job of sort of showing the day to day life of these of 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 the, of the detectives. But I think also just these people as people. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. The one thing that in reflecting on on the contrast between the two pilots, mm-hmm. I, I do think that they did a better job in the original pilot of uh, really displaying Barney's... The, ori- the original pilot, do you mean like the actual the, pilot or the lost the, pilot? The lost pilot, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, they did a better job of really communicating who, you know, Barney Miller is, yeah. um, even out, outside of um, trying to do the best thing at work. When he's yeah. he sat down with uh, the uncle and they're discussing this investment property for what turns out to be a, a apartment of, or slum apartment, this yeah. whole building that they're going to renovate and only have power to the fourth floor and uh, only paid half of it, and, and yeah, only, yeah, yeah, only paid the outside of it. Like that he, character went away, <laughs> reasonably so. It yeah. makes sense. I don't think that would have played super well yeah. with every audience, but they they do this awesome job of having Barney Miller stop and go like, okay, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? You know, I don't think I'm going to invest in this. I think, in fact, I would rather take this little pamphlet and bring it to the housing commission and yeah. the health commission yeah. and tell them about this. Because yeah, it shows up as an honest guy. Yeah, it, he's a decent guy. They they already kind of do the do the good job of showing him as a decent person uh, in the in the standoff with the the uh, in the junkie. The, the junkie. Yeah, that's I'm trying call, to think That's what he calls himself. To be that's, fair, yeah, that's, that's um, what he calls himself. It just feels so uncouth. But yeah, I anyways, know. Yeah. Um, in the standoff with the junkie, like it's it's not to the point where he just you know lets him walk out and has everybody beat the crap out of him and then have him arrested again. Yeah. They, it isn't even that he just manages to talk him down, get the gun away. He manages to talk him down, get the gun away and give him the card of an actual good public defendant. Yeah. yeah defender. Defender. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, public defendant. Yeah, public defendant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he probably, he probably doesn't want the help of a public defendant. No, probably um, not. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the original pilot, the lost pilot, just so we're using the right, just so we're, we're sure. consistent on which one we're referring to the, the, you know, the actual pilot or the lost pilot. So the lost pilot does go a little more into his home life. And they sort of, you know, they, they got rid of the whole uncle shtick. His wife saying, couldn't you just, she wants him to invest so he can make some money and retire earlier. Mm-hmm. And in the, or in the actual pilot, it's, um, what is it? Uh, let's just move off and raise chickens yeah. or something. Like she let's just move. wants to go. Yeah. Just What's move up? to Montana and raise chickens. Yeah. And it, it comes across as more whimsical, less serious. Mm-hmm. Like she's just unhappy with this, with the, uh, with the city, as opposed to the lost pilot where the wife seems pretty serious about getting him out of the job. Yeah. As I mentioned off, uh, off camera, the, the act, uh, the actress, Barbara Barry, who I guess was a pretty big get for them. She asked to leave because she, she had only been used in a handful of episodes. So she mm-hmm. wanted out. So she barely appears and they just stopped focusing on his home life. Later on, I think in the fifth or sixth season, he announces that they're separating. But oh. they, and eventually she shows up when they reconcile. They brought the actress back for a guest star. But she becomes, much like Fish's wife, 
she's the other voice on the phone. Oh yeah. Your yeah. wife's on the phone. And, right. and so we only see one side of it. So we know she's there, but the actress is not. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like uh, chief O'Brien in star Trek, the next generation. We <laughs> yeah. always know he's there, but when you think about it, he's almost never in the show. Yeah. Right. He's way less prevalent than people seem to remember. And so she wanted out. And I mean, I don't blame her. She didn't want to be held to a contract where she's, you know, she's getting this billing, but she never gets to, you know, act. Yeah. Um, and and I, I get that. And obviously they were shifting the focus of the series, but it worked. I mean, eight seasons, you know, that's yeah. impressive. It uh, it really is. Like, I mean, it, it went for a, a very long time. It, like it, it obviously was a well-received show. It was a good show at the end of the day. Like, yeah, they, they did a good job. I understand why it went for as long as it did. I can yeah. totally see how it would have resonated well in um, the, uh, the law enforcement community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I like I get it. It's like if they made a show about EMS and they actually did a good job of showing the hour and a half where you're sitting down after a call, just charting your notes. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also love the set because it, it's set up as a play. I love that it's dirty. Yeah, uh, it's it's old. There's a, a story that runs through the last season where they're going to tear down the building oh, and really? they're preparing to move and they knock down a wall and they find a gun locker and yeah. in it they discover uh, a rifle owned by uh, Theodore Roosevelt, huh. who I guess was a cop at one point or a police commissioner at one point. Really? Um, I don't know the story and I don't remember the show because it's now six, you know, five, six years that I saw it. But, you know, they, it was very much about appreciating these cops for who they are, but also that they're in this piece of shit building because that's what they got. You know, I was watching clips. For some reason, YouTube wants me to watch this show called The Rookie. Well, too late. I've already watched it. <laughs> but so they're, they're throwing a lot of clips at me and I look at how ultra modern the police station is and how ultra modern all their equipment is. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. There is no police station anywhere in L.A., I'm sure, outside of like Hollywood that is that slick. But they want, you know, but that's why the NYPD looks at this show and says, yeah, that's realistic. Because when you're in a when you're in a a town that's 400 years old, you get buildings that were built in the 1800s and they've been wired over and replumbed and all this sort of stuff over and over again. And so you wind up with this. This decay. I mean, one of the the, sort of the the big things about New York in the last 40 years is the renewal. Mm -hmm. But this is before that. And so you're looking at this, this rundown squad room, but it does what they needed to do. Yeah. You know, it it serves a purpose. It serves it well. It does a great job of having the bullpen right in the center where everything happens. Miller's office is off to the side. You like, you know, that he exits stage right. The bathrooms at the back right next to the drunk tank. Like it's it's a really well designed set. It achieves what they wanted it to do so, so well. There's something interesting about about knowing a set intimately. Like the one thing about like I'm I'm obviously I'm a Trekkie. When I think about Star Trek The Next Generation, here's a show that was seven seasons. But with the exception of you know where the bridge is, it's at the top mm-hmm. of the ship, and you know where 10 forward is because it's on yeah. deck 10 forward. Yeah. But, and you know where the engine room is. Actually, no, you don't. No. Nope. I can show you where the engine room is because I'm a geek, but you have no idea. Like, there's no feeling about the layout of the ship. Now, obviously, that's a little more complex, a ship that holds a thousand people versus a squad room. But everything about that squad room, you know, you know, the landscape, you know, what what belongs on everyone's desk, you know, 
which file you get to use to which file drawers don't work and you you know the the set becomes its own character and this this set is that it's a character yeah. in the show i love it do you think you'd ever go through this would you ever do a run through this season or this this show i don't know i think that i think that the best way that i could consume this is by having a big old fat hard drive just stapled to the back of my tv that every once in a while i go flip through and i've got things like you know the adams family and barney miller on there and whenever i just catch the mood to watch another episode i can put on the next one that i haven't seen yet that's reasonable yeah i just don't staple it because that'll do damage to the tv but Uh, come for the analysis, stay for the comedy. Yeah, see, it's funny because as we're talking, I'm thinking, I'm going to go find, I'm going to go download this and I want to watch it again because I don't know where you could actually watch it. I don't think it's streamed anywhere. So you pretty much just got to go download it somewhere. Yeah, I have um, no idea. Unless but, like, AMC has a streaming service that I don't know about or something. I'm actually thinking of doing a drive through it, though I want to do a run through Game of Thrones. So maybe I'll do that over Christmas, you know, Barney Miller. But, you know, I, I just really, it's, I can't think about anything about the show I don't like. There's some stuff I don't love, but there's nothing I dislike. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. I, so, I think that this would make a great foil to Game of Thrones. Just do alternating episodes back to back. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that'd be a... Game that'd of Thrones, the... Barney Miller. Game of Thrones, Barney Miller. Yeah. Incest, rape, and murder <laughs> versus a funny Just episode about murder. Fish losing his gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wah, wah. Yeah, so if you can find this, you know, go watch it. I found the lost pilot on freaking YouTube, so it's entirely possible. And the actual pilot is—it's all in the same video, actually. I imagine you could find a lot of these. It's amazing how many people just post entire series on YouTube. So let's leave it there. Absolutely, go find this Barney Miller if you can. It's—it's yeah. it's pretty great. I gotta tell you, it holds up super well, and I'm impressed with that. Yeah, I—I um, I think so. I—I I, yeah. I agree. Go watch this. Go yeah. watch the show. Mm-hmm.